Today we're going to look at the sin of anger. Every now and then I quite enjoy what I see on television. And one of the things that you see is different cultures express anger differently. Have you watched that? I sometimes love watching in some governments, in parliaments, and I think in the Russian government you've seen that. They get so angry, they punch each other, throw stuff. It's fun to watch. Now that I don't think will happen in the American parliament. We would express anger in words with a smile on our face, and we will cut through uh, words of anger. In some cultures, it's quite okay to shout in anger, and no one gets offended. Uh, They'd use their hands, and they would be loud, and that's just part of the culture. Now, in most Scandinavian countries, uh, anger is always... uh, low profile, but people do get angry. The other thing when I think about anger is, have you watched little children get angry? Even before they can learn to talk, you take a toy away? And I was thinking, I've even seen, maybe in our family, I'm not too sure, someone else's kid comes close to the mother, and your kid pushes that kid away. Where did they learn all that? Uh, So part of the sin nature is, Uh, There is much anger. So turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Once again on our topic of anger, I'm going to break it up into two Sundays because one of the things I have a feeling, the more I look at some of these topics, uh, I think sometimes we're guilty of not acknowledging that anger is part and parcel of our lives. So Colossians... Do you remember how to find out the book of Colossians? How do you remember which, where does it come up? Because that's what I just now did. Not the song. Without the song, there are two other ways you know where it comes up. Oh, that's the third one. Uh, General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Gentiles eat Pork chops. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Carol's laughing. Uh, there's another one on GEPC. I forget. Uh, so Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at a few of the verses there. But we're going to find in this list what we're supposed to do. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you. And the reason I wanted to start there is, with each of these sins, you and I have to be intentional. And that's what I'm driving for in this series. Uh, The chances are, when we go through all these sins, you will find them in you. Don't be surprised. The question is, are you going to do anything about it? And I know for me, the easiest thing is to know I have a sin and say, oh, that's too bad. God help me. Yeah, that's a good prayer, but God wants you to help yourself too. And in this case, it says, put to death whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. We saw that which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away and listen to the list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self. It's part of Christian living that you're always doing two things. Putting off the old self, putting on Christ. So uh, I hope this is part of our daily living. And look at verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. How do we forgive each other? It's not because the other person is deserving. You don't forgive someone else because they ask for forgiveness. That would be nice. You don't forgive someone just because you think they've reached the point where, you know what, now you're worthy of my forgiveness. What's our standard for forgiving others? Christ forgave you. And because he's forgiven you, you also must forgive. And verse 16 tells us that if the word of Christ dwells in us richly, it'll lead us to wisdom. So the sin of anger is one of those sins that I believe is subtle, like all sins. What is most interesting, and I don't think this will come up in all the other sins, in the correct context, anger is actually a virtue. There is a role for anger in our lives. And it's not purely sin. Forms of expression of anger could turn into sin, and we'll look at that in a moment. And it's one of those things where it can be a blessing or it could be a curse. I'd love to do an exercise with you this morning, but I'm going to spare you that. I was going to ask you all to stand. Don't do that. Uh, just stand and pr- just stand on one leg. And I wanted to see how long you could stand. The reason I thought about that is I think that's what's needed in handling anger. Because on one hand, you should be angry about some things. On the other hand, you cannot be expressive in your anger. Some of you are already looking at me confused, but stay with me for a while, and I'll show you why that is. You've got to distinguish anger between the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let me do the good first. The experience of anger is not sin. It's in its expression that you could become sinful. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, which is actually a quotation or a reference to Psalm 4, verse 4. It says, be angry 
and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Psalm 4, verse 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Now, some Hebrew scholars and Greek scholars would say what the verse should be translated to is, If you are angry, do not sin. But either way, even if you were to go with the translation that we have, which says, be angry, but do not sin. Now, you're going to ask yourself, how do you be angry and not sin? Or, what can I be angry about? Before we answer that question, I hope you realize, because we are created in God's image, we are endowed with anger. Anger, actually, is a gift from God. It has divine roots, and I've got lots of verses that I'm not going to reference this morning. But in all of these, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you will find that God gets angry, correct? So there is a place for anger. Let me read a couple of verses for you where Jesus got angry, and this would be the insight into how there is room for anger in our lives. Mark chapter 3, verse 5. And he looked around at them, meaning the Pharisees, with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Jesus got angry. And who did Jesus get angry with? The Pharisees. And what were they trying to do? They were trying to be legalistic and say, uh, Jesus should not heal on, on the Sabbath. And when Jesus saw that kind of sin, he got angry. Another example, Mark chapter 10, verse 14, it says, When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. You remember the story. Parents were bringing their children so that Jesus might bless them. And the smart alecky disciples felt, oh, that's going to be an interruption. Kids misbehave. So let's focus on the adults. And when Jesus saw that the disciples were actually keeping away the children, it says he got indignant. He got very, very angry. Very angry. Made him mad. And you know, this morning as I was just going over all my references, I've always in fact, thought uh, that Jesus, when he says, let the little children come unto me, we know that part, he was also saying, let the parents come. Because children can't come without their parents, isn't it? And sometimes we've just looked at that verse about children, but it's also about parents with children. So Jesus does get angry. There is a place for anger, and my question to you and I this morning is, do you get angry over things that God gets angry about? And I think we don't too often. There are so many things in our society that brings the anger of God. Does that bother you? How about sin in your own life? Do you get angry about it? There is a place for anger. And if you don't get angry about certain things, 
you're not being like God. When you see people being exploited, when you see people getting abused, when you see sin on other people that other people enforce on, it should make your blood boil. When you see injustice in society, it should make you angry. When you see hypocrisy in the church, because in these instances where Jesus got angry, he was not getting angry with outsiders who didn't know better, isn't it? He was getting angry with hypocrites in the religious institution, the Pharisees. And I think it's right for us as Christians to get angry against people who actually show a form of Christianity when it's not. When we see hypocrisy within ourselves, don't be polite. Don't be nice. That's not the time to be nice. Be nice to outsiders. But judgment begins in the house of the Lord. That's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And so... There is a place for anger, and I think what's happened to many of us, including me, is somehow we don't get angry about sin, which is why we tolerate it. What's also interesting is, not only does God get angry with sin, here's something that might bother some of us. Do you realize that God gets angry with people too, with sinners You've sometimes heard this cliche, which is not in the Bible. Here's a cliche that goes around. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Ever heard that? Uh, Take it with a grain of salt. God hates sin. God also hates the sinner. Psalm 5, verse 5. I'll just read one verse before you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. When scripture says you hate all evildoers, is it talking about the sin or is it talking about people? People. It's people who go to hell, who refuse God. So part of what you've got to realize is you sometimes cannot separate the two. And in our own lives, there are times God could get upset with us. Don't separate yourself with saying, well, the sinner part of me is this one here, and I'm just the nice person that happens to have sin. You cannot separate the two. If God wants to deal with a a sin in your life, he might do things to your circumstances. So God gets angry with the sin And the sinner. Now here comes an interesting part. Let me ask you this morning. And when you give me the answers, I'm not going to think that you're talking about yourself. But how do angry people express themselves? Tell me, give me some examples of different kinds of anger. How does anger express itself? Uh, Some people are loud, right? Vengeance, yeah? Okay, and violence. How else is anger expressed? Eyebrows, yeah? Sometimes you can see it, right? 
Silence? Yeah. And now I want you to think about yourself for a moment, okay? And I'm going to ask you the question, do you get angry? Okay, so let me show you different kinds of anger. There are many kinds of anger. And this is what's going to surprise some of us. There's the blow-up kind, right? You know when someone's angry with you because they're yelling, screaming. And if they're a lighter complexion people, black people, African-Americans, Asian Indians, if we change color, you can't see it. But you folks who are Caucasian, some people's faces turn red. They don't have to say a word. One look, you know this person's getting angry. That's the blow-up kind. They might get violent. They might shout, scream. That's the easiest to recognize. Do you know that? The other kind of anger is the burn-up kind. You know what the burn-up kind is? You don't say a word. It just festers within you. Uh, You are angry. No one knows it. Only you. And the way you end up knowing you're angry is, it's like acid. It's eating into you. Then there's the other kind of anger, which is the pouting kind. You don't say anything, but you've just taken your toys and you're gone home. I can't play with this group of people. I'm going to sit in my corner, and I'm not going to say anything. If you ask that person, are you angry? No, I'm not. In fact, you asking me whether I'm angry has gotten me angry. I didn't say anything. So, there's the pouting kind. Do you know that it is... Uh, You'd find this in the Bible too, Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. Very interesting. Genesis chapter 4 is your first uh, incident of murder. Do you know that? Cain killing his brother. But look at what happened before he murdered. Genesis 4, verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? God took one look at Cain, and he knew he was angry, and his face was pouting. Do you know how sad the story is? Because if Cain had done something with his anger, it wouldn't have led him to the next step of killing his brother. Before people fly off a handle... There is still room and time to do something about your anger. Remember, Scripture tells us, when you are angry, do not sin. Like all the temptations, you are going to be tempted to get angry. You might even have a right when you say, you know, I got poked in the eye. I am going to get angry. But there is a time gap, and that's what I want to bring you into, to learn How to identify that small gap of time between when you get angry and what you do about it. And in this case, God saw that Cain was pouting and gave him an opportunity by asking, What are you angry about? Why is your face sullen? And because he didn't deal with that, he went ahead and killed his brother. You should have an insert in your book in your book, in your bulletin this morning. And I found these things, and I said, you know, I'm not going to speak about that, but would you look at that list here? Because when I look at it, I say, wow, uh, 
These are all forms of anger. That's why I titled the first part that says, I'm angry and I didn't know it. Right? When you get annoyed. When you get resentful. When you start to criticize people overtly, that's a form of anger. When you get exasperated, when you give someone grief, sarcastic, those are all forms of anger. When you get cranky, and I hope some of us don't sugarcoat this and say, that's my personality. That's my culture. That's the way I was brought up. If it is, put to death. Change. Or getting spiteful. Getting disgusted. Another way sometimes people show anger is they might not speak to you about it, but they laugh at you. When they're starting to lose an argument, you you change tactics, isn't it? And this is the subtlety of sin, that sometimes we only identify the sin in one or two forms. It takes multiple forms. And then I have for you, nothing original, but ten common anger styles. And part of why I want to slow down even this morning is, I hope you will look at that list and look at it and say, do I exhibit any of this kind of behavior? And unless you spend time looking at it, my worry is that you and I would probably gloss over it. And I'm going to come to a significant point as to why anger can end up being one of the most deadliest of sins. Whichever form it takes, even if you're one of those silent, angry people, uh, it is dangerous, and I'll tell you why in a minute. What does anger lead to? In other words, anger is much more than its expression. Okay, you get angry over something, someone's done you wrong. Let's give you the benefit of the doubt, someone's done you wrong. Because on the other one, it's easy to say you shouldn't get angry, right? But if someone's done you wrong and you get angry and you take it to the point of expression, here's the great danger. The first thing scripture tells us is it clouds one's thinking. Now, some of it might sound very offensive. That's why I'm going to just read from scripture. And if you are one of those angry people, uh, I hope you let the word of God define you and I. Listen to Proverbs 14, 17. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. You probably can think of some people, right? When they get angry, they look silly, isn't it? They're making a fool of themselves. They don't know what's coming out of their mouth. They, they look crazy. And the Bible calls that kind of a person a fool. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry. Listen to that again. Be not quick in your spirit to get angry. In other words, you can control your temper, your anger. That's what I'm going to come to. Be not be quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. If you let anger 
stay around for a while, it starts to be cancerous and dangerous. And the Word of God says, it's only a fool who would do that. Secondly, Psalm 37 verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Look at that intentionality there. Put to death, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. And another version says to all kinds of evil. Here's where I want to zero in a little more. You've got to realize that if you are one of those angry people, or you have bouts of anger, you are opening your door to more sins. The sin of anger doesn't stay by itself. Let's say you get angry with someone. First of all, you might say things that you shouldn't have said. There itself, you've committed another sin, isn't it? And you know Jesus' standard, if you call your brother a fool, what have you done? Murder. So it's not just the act of murder. By saying something deadly, you committed murder. So you've already done that. Now what would someone like that do? You'd probably go tell someone else what happened, right? What did you now do? Gossip. Led to another sin. Then you get an opportunity to be nice to this person. This person has a need in their life. And you decide, you know what? They deserve that. I'm not going to do anything. What did you just now do? You just were revengeful. You see how it just piles on? And then you go back home and you get upset with the dog. Right? The poor dog didn't know you had a bad day at work. But you get upset with the dog. It just grows. And that's my point. Uh, Anger leads to all kinds of sin. And... I hope I don't need to tell you, the one who suffers the most eventually with anger is the person who has anger. So it leads to all kinds of evil. It's not worth it. We already saw that. It leads to murder. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 22. You have heard, Jesus says, that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So how we talk to one another, and it doesn't say just talking to Christians, does it say that? No, even when you talk to people uh, who are not of the faith, uh, you and I need to be careful about. Fourthly, what anger leads to, and you know this, if you've had any form of anger, it leads to bitterness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 to 31 And look at what it says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger 
and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Let me ask you a question this morning, and I do hope uh, you really think about this. You probably say, I'm not angry, and you're probably right. But are you upset with someone from years ago? Any bitterness in your heart? Someone who has probably wronged you, said something about you. And you're kind of ignoring that person because it's sometimes easier to put someone out of your life, isn't it? But in that form, is there... Do you have bitterness in your heart? And when you have bitterness in your heart, it's not about the other person. Do you realize that? If I have bitterness in my heart, it has nothing to do with what the other person did. I can give you lots of examples where we could probably see ourselves getting bitter if you ever got fired from a company unfairly. I can see bitterness. If I were in that position, I could get see getting bitter. Uh, you could go through a list of things, and the way you should ask God to show it in your heart is, God, is there any bitter root within me? And if so, for your own sake, the Word of God would say, God would say, pull it out. It's a root. <laughs> You know, I'm looking forward to spring. But you know what I'm not looking forward to? Some of those thorny, pesky plants that are the first to come out. Why? Because unless the root has been killed, you could keep plucking it up, but they have creepers that go through, and they just keep growing. And that's the nature of sin. That's the nature of anger is. You might get over your anger with one person, but then you'll get angry with someone else. I didn't realize I had anger till I had kids. Oh, I always say God gave us kids to show us more about ourselves. Isn't it? How easily we get upset with our children. And I would say to the benefit of all little children, how quick they are to forgive, isn't it? God doesn't get angry with us as much as we get angry with our children, isn't it? So, I think we should take a good look at ourselves to say, why do we get angry? And at the end of the day, I think anger is one of those emotions that makes it all about me and what I feel and what I think I have a right to, right? Why do we react? Because we feel offended. We feel that attention was not paid to me. You didn't listen to what I said. And it all comes back to pride, the first sin that we talked about. And so, bitterness can be deadly. There's a very interesting quote by Buddha. I've never quoted Buddha in a church. But if I see something good, I might share with you. And I research before I even attribute it to Buddha. And they're not too sure whether it was he who said it or not. But it's one of those alcoholic anonymous slogans. It's a good one. It says, holding on to anger 
is like grasping a hot coal with the intention of throwing it at someone else. You are the one who gets burnt. Holding on to anger. Remember, I'm going to push the point. You might get angry, but make sure it is short-lived. The moment you hold on to it for long, it will do a number on your life that you have no clue about. And that's why I love this quote. Holding on to anger. If you're not going to kill it, not going to get rid of it, by default, it's going to stay within you. Make you a better person. You will react at some point. Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You are the one who gets burnt. And I told you I would tell you something that should get your attention. This is what Scripture says. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, I love it when I hear you turn Bible pages. Because I have all mine written down here. If you wonder, how is he going through so fast? I'm not so smart. Barb Mulvaney prints it out for me. Oh, you bet. I would be so inefficient if it were not for Barb Mulvaney. We're a tag team. We can take on anyone. But listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 7. It should get you sober this morning. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And what does verse 27 say? Say it out, even if you have different versions, say it out. And do not give the devil a foothold. If you hold on to anger, the worst thing you're doing to yourself is allowing Satan to take a foothold. What do you think? You don't have to be a PhD for this answer. What do you think would happen if you give Satan a foothold? You think he'll stop at that? You remember the story Jesus talked about the one the person who had one devil one demon and he said if you cast it out and you don't fill that body with the spirit of god what happens seven more will come back you allow a little anger to stay in your life you are allowing satan to get a foothold in your life notice You've got to invite his foothold. He has no right in your life once you become a Christian, right? You are the body of God. You are the temple of God. God's spirit works in you. But can you allow him to be part of your life? Yes, you can. That is why with all these sins, you and I have a role to play. There are things we can do. And one of those things that I want to leave you this morning thinking about is, have you allowed Satan to get a tippy-toe foothold in your life? And here's my warning. Once you allow him to do that, he will wreck different areas of your life. And you and I will not know it. 
He is smarter than you and I, isn't he? He is a schemer. That's what Paul says. He is constantly scheming. And one of those ways he gets entry into many of our lives causes a lot of ruin. He is so smart, I believe, he would get into your life through one crack somewhere. And once inside that, he will make himself at home doing stuff and destroying your life. What does he come in for? He comes to destroy and to kill. He has a purpose. And that's not to make you nicer. And if he can't kill you in this area, he'll catch somewhere else. But you can allow him into your life to reside. And once he gets a foothold, uh, it's dangerous. I'm going to close this morning because I do want you to think about this. Again, with all these sins, there's a way out. That's the beauty of God. There are ways you can deal with this. As I've said before, in all these sins we're talking about, you will be tempted. I will be tempted. Being tempted is not a sin. How you respond to it is sin. If you handle it the wrong way. So let me start, uh, put it into two categories. One is, what do you do if you get angry? And then next week we'll look at, what do you do when, what do you do with other people? who get angry towards you, and still be godly. We saw James chapter 1, verse 19 this morning. Let every person be... Oh, this is one of those verses you should memorize. Let every person be quick to do what? Hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger. If you get confused about that, it's very easy. God gave us one mouth, and two. So we should be doing more hearing than talking. Right? So be quick to hear, slow to speak, and think about it. If we can slow down our speed on anger, do you think that would help? What's the greatest danger about anger? You didn't take time to think about it. And if you could just slow down, take a deep breath, right? Take a little time out. Take a little time out and say, you know what, let me think about this. Uh, In parenting, I've done this in the past. When I realize that, you know, I I react sometimes a bit too quickly, even say some things. One of the things that I found very helpful is tell the kid, I'm upset with you. I'll talk to you and deal with you a little later. Now, what acted in the benefit of the kids very often is, I forgot about it. Not that I intended to, but when you think about it and you come back, you can, be, you can give the punishment, you can talk about it, you allow the kid to think about it, right? When you fly off the handle, the kid's not thinking, you're reacting, you're saying stuff, uh, but just slow down. And I, I want you to Use some of these tools that God gives us in his word. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. So don't let it lodge. 
be like Christ, be like God, because he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Let me close with a conclusion that I'm going to close next week with also. And it comes from Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. This is the interaction between Moses and God. Remember, God said, Moses, I want to use you. And listen to this. It says, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he, that is Moses, responded by saying, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. In other words, after God told Moses, Moses, I'll go with you and I'll, I'll tell you what to speak. I'll be your mouth for you. And Moses should have listened to the Lord, but he immediately made an excuse. And what was his excuse? Oh, Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. You might think this is a simple one, right? I mean, the man did stutter. He, didn't, he was not the greatest speaker. But when he made an excuse, Scripture tells us that God got angry with him. So when we take a week to look at this whole issue of anger, my hope and prayer for us is... Uh, Let's not make any excuses. Because I think the greatest deception in anger is you blame someone else. You have the power and the right and God's spirit in how you respond to anybody. No one can make you angry. I hope you don't buy into that. He made me angry. Or she made me angry. Or my kids made me. Or my boss made me angry. No one can make you angry. Anger is a choice. Anger is a choice. It is a temptation. And if God's given you the emotion of anger, use it for godly purposes. And uh, repent. Repent because it'll make you bitter. It'll give Satan a foothold. And once he comes into your life through that trap door, it will manifest itself in all kinds of sins. Let's pray. No wonder Father Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? And the answer is not us. Because we can make so many excuses, we can blame so many people, and just looking through that list of different styles of anger, different kinds of anger, I have a feeling many of us could probably check at least five or six on that list to say, you know what, that's who I am. Our prayer, God, is that we would be truthful to you, 
truthful for ourselves. Because with every temptation, your word tells us that you provide for us a way of escape. And we don't want to be prisoners to the sin. We don't want to hold on to this hot coal that eventually will not only burn us, but we might throw it at someone that we love and murder. Again, this morning we pray that you would fill us with your Spirit so that we might put on Christ. And may the Word of God dwell richly in our hearts to be the kinds of people that God wants us to be. Amen.